Well, good morning. My name is Andrew, and I'm the youth pastor here at Christ the King, and I'm excited uh, to be able to welcome you this morning. Uh, I'm excited because it, it's just good to be together. It's good to be together to worship and to, to, to sing, to hear God's word, and to just be able to visit and to catch up. Uh, but most importantly, to praise God as his people together. I'm also excited because I love invitations. And I imagine that, that many of you love invitations as well. Invitations to, to share a meal with someone over lunch or dinner or maybe breakfast. Invitations to a birthday party or to a sleepover. Invitations to attend a certain college or to begin a new job with someone who's extended a job offer. We, we love all kinds of invitations. And this morning I'm excited because I have the opportunity to share with you probably one of the, the greatest invitations that we could ever receive. It's an invitation from a king. And we find this invitation in Psalm 34. So I'd invite you to turn there with me this morning. We find this invitation in Psalm 34. If, if we have any kids in the house, are you excited to, to hear this invitation this morning? Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, I am too. So follow along with me as we, as we listen to it together. Psalm 34 of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you are good. And then out of your goodness, we are able to taste your word together this morning. And we ask that we would accept this invitation to place our trust in you, knowing that you are good and that you deliver us. And we ask that you would use 
this word through the power of your spirit to transform us and to those who follow you and share this goodness with others. It is in the name of Jesus who makes this all possible that I pray. Amen. Well, as a child, I, uh, my parents were missionaries in Thailand. And while we lived there, I had the opportunity to taste lots of different kinds of, of Thai food. And I'll never forget the first time I tasted what is my favorite food of all from Thailand. And it, it still is to this day. Is this amazing uh, papaya salad that's, that's been soaked in this savory juice. And then you eat it with this moist, sticky rice that you spread it over. And, uh, and along with it, there's uh, grilled chicken that is marinated all night in this incredible marinade. And that's then grilled uh, to, to perfect tenderness. Um, it's, it's amazing. I'll never forget the first time I tasted it. And the first time I, I tasted this meal, I was a little bit skeptical, though. Because you got to remember, I was, I was five or six years old. I don't know if I told you that. I was about five or six. And this was a papaya salad. So I'm seeing a lot of shredded green stuff with a lot of other vegetables kind of mixed in. And my, uh, my internal child alarm is, is going haywire. You know, warning, warning, your parents are trying again to trick you into eating a salad. And so in my uh, five-year-old, you know, in, in my five-year-old response, I, I, I twisted my face into this look of disgust and said something along the lines of, this looks nasty. I am going to hate this food. Well, my, my parents, are, they're very, very patient people, very kind and loving, and, and they, they very patiently in, encouraged me to just, to just try a bite. And so I did, and, and as soon as I tasted it, it transformed me from someone who was ready to fling that food out the window and to someone who could not wait to go and invite everyone that I met, including to this day, to taste and see for themselves the goodness of this meal. And friends, that's the kind of invitation that we are receiving this morning from King David. Look with me in verse 8. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. He's inviting us to taste the goodness of trusting in the Lord to deliver us in times of trouble. But I imagine, I imagine that, that many of us are, are tempted to actually to turn down this invitation. To turn down David's invitation because of the troubles that we have tasted. We have all had troubles that have, that have left a bad taste in our mouths. Broken relationships. Tough job situations. The pandemic. Or, I mean, you can fill in the blanks with probably all kinds of things. We have experienced troubles, and often while feeling like there is no deliverance in sight. And so we turn down David's invitation to trust that God will deliver us. And maybe we even do this with a little bit of cynicism. Because we're thinking, hey, hey, don't forget the title that often goes before David. He was a king. King David. And so I imagine it was easy for David to, to trust the Lord when he is tasting wealth and power and respect. Yet Psalm 34 shows us that David extends this invitation to us after personally tasting extreme troubles. Look with me at the very beginning of this psalm. Of David, 
when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Many of the Psalms begin with titles like this one. And these titles, they are, they are part of Scripture. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Like the other 22 numbered verses in this Psalm, this title is a Bible verse. And so Psalm 34 begins with, of David. And the historical information that follows shows us that David had tasted life's troubles. And in this case, he was tasting a deadly one. Because in chapter 21, which this title refers to, David was on the run for his life. King Saul had had become jealous of David and was trying to kill him. And so David had fled King Saul and had fled from the frying pan directly into the fire, which is what we see in 1 Samuel 21. So I will read that to us. Listen Listen to what happens. 1 Samuel 21, David's on the run, and in verse 10 it tells us, And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now you you probably notice that the name Achish is different from the name Abimelech listed in in Psalm 34. And what's probably happening is that Abimelech is a kingly title for Philistine kings, kind of like how Pharaoh was a title for Egyptian kings. And so what's happening is this Philistine kingly title Abimelech in Psalm 34 is referring to Achish, the king of the Philistine city, Gath, that we see in 1 Samuel 21. So so David, he has fled from Saul to this Philistine king. And in verse 11, here's what happens. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did, Did they not sing to one another of him? In dances, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. These servants were right. That song had been sung about David back in 1 Samuel 18 when David had returned from killing Goliath, the Philistine giant. To make matters worse, in 1 Samuel 17, we learned at Gath, the town that, the town that David is now standing in the middle of, That was Goliath's hometown. And to to make it even worse, in 1 Samuel 21, verse 9, like the the verse right before he arrives in Gath, David had picked up Goliath's old sword. You see, when he he had fled from Saul, he didn't have a weapon. And he needed something to defend himself. And so he he gets a hold of, of Goliath's old sword, the same sword he had used to kill Goliath. So so picture this scene. We have David. The Philistine killer, the killer of the Philistine giant Goliath from Gath, standing before the Philistine king of Gath, and he's got the sword that he used to cut off the head of their hometown hero. And so these servants remind their Philistine king that David's a Philistine killer. And in verse 12 we read, David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. You see, he hears this and he probably thinks, these guys would probably like to kill me just as much, if not more, than Saul. David had tasted life's troubles firsthand. And David had also tasted the Lord's deliverance. Because in the next verse, David, he pretends to have lost his mind. And so that Achish drove him out and he was able to escape. 
David was delivered from this near-death experience. And so back in Psalm 34, he sings of his personal taste of God's deliverance in his life. Look in verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. In verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And as we saw in verse 8, David invites us to taste God's goodness in our lives. To taste the goodness of trusting God for deliverance in our troubles. We're invited to taste the goodness of our God who, who cares about us. Look in verse 15. It says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. Y'all know how, how lonely it can feel when we're in the midst of a hard time. How we can feel unheard and forgotten. But what we see is that God never, he sees everything that happens to us. We are never forgotten. We are, we are never alone. He hears every cry that escapes from our lips. And what's more, God's children, not only are we seen and heard, but we're never alone. Look in verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He is present with those who have, who have been humbled and who have placed their trust in him. But God's seeing and his hearing and his presence, it's not passive. It's not powerless. No, in verse 17, it says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. God is an active listener who brings power, powerful deliverance for his people from all of their troubles. Now, imagine that, that some of us may be thinking, well, hold, stop right there for a second. Let's just pump the brakes because David just said that the Lord delivers his people from all of our troubles. And if that's true, then why is it that I still feel like I am in the fiery furnace after maybe days or weeks or months or maybe even years of crying out to the Lord for deliverance? And y'all, that is a legitimate question. And Scripture speaks to that question. Look in verse 19. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now, Scripture, it's, it's not naive about life's troubles. In fact, Scripture is very much attuned to the troubles of life. And it speaks honestly about these troubles. In fact, in many places in the Bible, we are told that we will face trouble because we trust in the Lord. And while sometimes we see that, that God brings observable deliverance from trouble like he did for David before the Philistine king, Scripture also tells of other times. Times when God's deliverance is not so obvious to us and maybe even seems absent. Like in the life of David's dear friend Jonathan, who was struck down and killed by the Philistines. And in these diverse experiences in the midst of trouble, these can cause us to feel a lot of tension with verse 19 and, the, and this promise that it gives. But, but when we look carefully, what we see is that, that Scripture is actually inviting us into a deeper understanding of deliverance that helps us to trust 
even in the midst of this tension that we feel. A deeper understanding that trusts in God for ultimate deliverance, even in the midst of death. And, and friends, we taste this ultimate deliverance when we trust in the ultimate deliverer. You see, like David, there's another king. Another king that we can relate to because he has tasted life's troubles. It's King Jesus. King Jesus walked this earth and he was, he was hated. He was disrespected. He was rejected. He knew sadness. He knew grief. And at the end of his life, he allowed himself to be delivered over to taste the affliction and death of the cross so that we would not have to taste that punishment ourselves. You see, eternal death and punishment is the ultimate affliction that, that we actually deserve because of our sins. But Jesus took that punishment in our place to deliver us from it. I mean, did, did you notice who it says the Lord delivers in this psalm? In verse 17 and verse 19? It's the righteous. Jesus was the only person to ever live a perfectly righteous life. And with his perfectly righteous record, he bore the affliction of the cross and died in our place. Commentators believe that when the Apostle John tells the story of the crucifixion in John 19 and describes how none of Jesus' bones were broken, you might, you might remember how, he's, how he points that out. They believe that, that John may have had verse 20 from this psalm in mind where it says, He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. And they believe that John, he's, he's using this verse to show how Jesus was the ultimate Passover lamb whose bones were not broken and whose blood was shed as the sacrifice that delivers us from death because he died in our place. So that when we trust in him, we are made righteous like him. And when we taste the goodness shown to us in Jesus and his sacrifice and we trust in him for deliverance, we become those spoken of in verse 22. Look there, it says, The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We are made into the righteous ones of verse 19 and the rightful recipients of the promises of verse 19 that just as Jesus was raised and delivered even from death on the cross, we too have the ultimate deliverance, the ultimate promise of deliverance from all our troubles, including death. And because we have the eyewitness account that Jesus was indeed raised, we can accept this invitation and trust in this promise with the confidence of verse 5. Look there, it says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Saying those, when we trust in him, we will never be ashamed. It's another way of saying we will never be disappointed when we hope and when we trust in Jesus. Because like Jesus, no matter what afflictions we taste, even to the point of death, our troubles do not have the last word in this life. Our deliverer, Jesus, he has the last word. The bad taste in our mouths, left from the troubles of this world, will not remain. No, they will be washed out when he returns and we will be raised from death and delivered into our eternal home with God where he will wipe away all of our troubled tears and we will taste nothing but the goodness of God's deliverance for all of eternity. Y'all, no matter who you are, no matter what beliefs you have brought with you this morning. This is the kind of deliverer 
that we all long for. In 2007, singer Tracy Lawrence released a song that that relates to these longings for someone we can trust in times of trouble. Some of the lyrics go, go like this. It says, run your car off the side of the road, get stuck in a ditch way out in the middle of nowhere. Man, I've been there. You find out who your friends are. Somebody's going to drop everything. Run out and crank up their car, hit the gas, get there fast. Never stop to think, what's in it for me? Or that is way too far. Now they just show on up with their big old heart. You find out who your friends are. Y'all, we long for someone like this, someone we can trust and depend on in times of trouble. We long for someone who sees and hears and loves us enough to be near to us when we are in trouble and who has the power to actually do something about it. And friends, this morning we are invited to taste the goodness of having this longing fulfilled in Jesus. To trust, to turn and trust in God who sees and hears us in our troubles, who loved us so much that he brought us near to him by sending Jesus to bear our afflictions in our place and to show up to deliver us with the power that conquered even death itself. This morning we are invited to accept the invitation to trust in Jesus in our times of trouble. For some of us, this may be accepting this invitation for the very first time. For others, maybe it's, maybe it's after a time of wandering and return from Christ to taste invitations to other supposed sources of deliverance, but now repenting and returning to taste the goodness of trusting Christ afresh, the only true deliverer. May we, by God's grace, be, all, be people who with joy and with confidence accept this invitation. And when by God's grace we accept it, when we taste God's goodness in Christ, we are also invited to be transformed by God's goodness in Christ. You see, like David, God's goodness to us, it reshapes our lives. We are transformed into people who tell others about the goodness we have tasted in the Lord. Look with me in verse 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When David says, I will bless the Lord, he means he will tell of God's goodness. In verse 3, when he invites us to magnify and to exalt the Lord, he means to declare the greatness of God. And for us today, that ultimately means declaring the greatness of what he has done in Christ Jesus. And did you notice when he says he will do these things? Look at the end of that first phrase in verse 1. It says he will bless it at all times. This, this doesn't mean that we don't weep for our troubles and long for them to end. No, we are, we are long to weep and we are, long, we, are, excuse me, we are right to weep and to long for those things to end. What it also means, though, is that even in the midst of tears, in good times and in bad, we become people who can point to God's goodness in Christ no matter what trouble we face because we have hope in Jesus for ultimate deliverance from all troubles that we face. We are transformed to tell others about the goodness 
And we are also transformed to follow in the good ways of the Lord. Look with me in verse 9. It says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. In verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Fear in this passage, it, it means awe, it means reverence, it means obedience. It's not an invitation to, te- to terror. It's the invitation to fear the Lord here is an invitation to follow the Lord. And in verse 13 through 14, we learn what does that look like? In verse 13, he says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Speak, p- seek peace and pursue it. It means taking all of our ways, all of our words, and, and turning them away from evil and towards reflecting the goodness of the God who has delivered us. Now some of us, some of us may not be too excited about this part of the invitation. We, we may think, yeah, I'm very excited to taste the Lord's deliverance from trouble, but I'm not too excited to follow God and give up some of the sinful tastes that I've developed over the years. Maybe it's a taste for gossip or for, for slamming others with put-downs or sarcasm or, or maybe it's harboring thoughts of racism and bigotry, things that, that make us feel good about ourselves and seem to deliver us from our own doubts and from our insecurities. Or maybe it's a taste for other sinful pleasures. Maybe those things that, that give us a sense of escape or comfort in the midst of our troubles. And y'all, it, it makes a lot of sense that we would be reluctant to turn away from those things that we would want to give them up. But what Psalm 34 proclaims is that that this invitation, this part of the invitation, is actually quite awesome. Look in verse 12. Because it says, when we turn from evil and follow the Lord, we taste even more of his goodness. As verse 12 says, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Y'all, the true life that we are all looking for is found in the true and good ways of God. And as we taste the goodness of following God by speaking and walking in his good ways, we are at the same time giving our neighbors a taste of the goodness that we have received from God. As we speak to and treat them in ways that reflect God's love and his kindness, all while pointing them to Christ, the only one who can truly satisfy them on their quest for peace and fulfillment. We'll, we'll close with this. Um, the truth that just like beauty, the awesomeness of an invitation is, is in the eye of the beholder, right? Old habits and tastes, they can die pretty hard. And left to ourselves, none of us, none of us would be able to buy in and believe the truth that the invitation to follow God is truly awesome and good. We couldn't do it. Not by ourselves. And yet, that is where we again we find the good news of the gospel. You see, Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of verses 13 and 14. Jesus spoke no evil. He did no violence. He delighted in what is good. And because of this, he was able to endure the suffering of the cross in our place, on his mission to seek and to pursue us, to deliver us from sin and to give us the peace that is spoken of in these verses. And the good news of the gospel is that when Jesus delivers us from our sin, we are actually set free to let go of those old bitter tastes, to spit them out of our mouths because we are not depending on them anymore 
for our deliverance. And the same Jesus who gives us the delightful taste of his deliverance is the same Jesus who transforms what tastes delight us. He gives us new tastes that increasingly long to accept the invitation to follow in the good ways of the Lord and to give others a taste of that good deliverance that we have received as we love God and as we love neighbor in every part of our lives by the power of his transforming spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are good, that you have delivered your people. And so, Lord, we thank you for giving us this invitation to trust in you. Help us to do that each day. Help us to have the joy and the excitement to then go and tell others of the truth of the deliverance in Jesus. And we pray that they would know that that transformation is true as we follow in your ways by your grace. Thank you for giving us these good things in your son Jesus. And it is in his name that I make this prayer. Amen.